This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everyone, it's time for another Liverpool.com podcast. I'm your host Mo Stewart and I'm joined once again by writers Matt Addison and James Martin. And we are still in the middle of Liverpool's international break, well, the world's international break. So the biggest conversations in the Liverpool world so far these last couple of weeks have been Steven Gerrard's return to the Premier League and the potential departure of Michael Edwards. And both of those conversations kind of lend towards the future of Liverpool Football Club, specifically beyond the manager, Jurgen Klopp. Now, I know most of us don't like to think about a world where Jurgen Klopp is not Liverpool manager, but there are people within the club who are thinking about it right now and who are making the decisions. And there are people who are putting themselves in the frame. So us as a, well, not what you would call people with influence, but necessarily people with knowledge of the situation. And we're going to have a little debate about what we think they are going to be thinking about life after club. What are the big, important decisions to kind of keep success both on and off the pitch? So, Matt. As I said, this is a conversation we kind of tried to shy away from in the past, but recent events have led us to it. Lots of people are talking about Steven Gerrard in particular and the way that the contracts marry up between the end of his and the end of Jurgen Klopp's. Do we think that this is a little bit of a foregone conclusion that Jurgen Klopp is definitely going to leave at the end of 2024? We've heard him talk over the course of his career at Liverpool about him wanting to have a finite end, not wanting to overstage work, not wanting to burn himself out. And all signs do seem to point to that date, but there are still two seasons between now and then. Could he still be yet persuaded? Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I think that the first thing to say is there's differing reports in terms of when Gerard's contract finishes. Mm. It might actually be 2025 when his finishes uh, at Villa. Um, I know there, there has been some suggestions that it might be 2024 which would be interesting certainly that was the case at Rangers wasn't it because that's what you know, I think it was on the same day they signed deals to the exact same point which I think made it a little bit obvious what was going on there but I think Aston Villa have, have been careful to uh, to stick an extra year on just to, to kind of stop those conversations but it's, it's inevitable that we are going to talk about these sorts of things, isn't it? Because we know that the plan for Steven Gerrard is at some point for him to come to Liverpool. And I think that probably will happen. It's just a case of of, of when that is, whether there's somebody else between obviously Klopp and, and him doing it or, or whatever that might be. So in terms of, of Klopp, in terms of, of him, I think the, the only thing that makes me think he might extend a little bit longer is the fact that the pandemic has happened. The fact mm-hmm. that we've obviously had a season or just over without supporters. I think, it, obviously, looking back at it now, it's it's kind of a little bit in hindsight to say Liverpool didn't do particularly well that season, so therefore it doesn't really count. But I think there will be an argument <laughs> in Jurgen Klopp's head that it, it's not that they weren't very good or that they didn't perform at the level they can. It's, it's just that it was a season without supporters. It wasn't a proper footballing season. They didn't get to celebrate the Premier League title. I think there's probably an argument in Klopp's head that if he was looking at 2024 and thinking that is the year, maybe you push it back a year just to compensate the fact that he's missed pretty much a a season for for those reasons. So I think had the pandemic not happened, I'd be pretty, pretty confident it would be 2024. But there is a a bit of a question mark in my head of of whether he might kind of see it a little bit differently at this point. Hmm. 
No, it's interesting because I was thinking the pandemic would have an influence because you're right, Liverpool didn't really get a fair crack at defending their title. And I think that's a really important marker when you're trying to talk about the legacy you leave behind at a club and and for a team at a moment in time. But then there's the flip side of the pandemic and basically what it took away from not only all of us, but Klopp in particular, obviously, he lost his mother. He wasn't able to go back for it, James. And I think when we talk about Klopp's, or Klopp himself has spoken about the end of his Liverpool career, he's very much talked about taking time out to be with his family. And obviously, you can look at it from the perspective that the pandemic has made those feelings a little bit stronger or maybe even more appealing to him. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it really will have changed too much in his head in the sense that he's he knows what he wants. He's always, like you say, been vocal about it. And yeah, I mean, family is maybe it's something that's the importance of it has been emphasised to everyone in the pandemic. But yeah, I don't think it will be a clinching factor. I think he's always been set on spending some time with his family, calling it a day or at least taking a year out whenever he finishes at Liverpool. Um, but whether that's 2024 or gets pushed back, I don't think. I don't think necessarily the pandemic will have too much of an impact. I agree with Matt in the sense that that ability to to not celebrate the title is probably the most pressing thing. I think if he gets to 2024 and Liverpool haven't won the Premier League again, I mean, hopefully that won't be the case, but if they haven't won it and they're still sort of close to it, then I could see him being tempted to just, you know, one more year sort of thing, just because, of course, he's the kind of guy who wants to celebrate that achievement with the fans. It was horrible for everyone that that we couldn't celebrate, you know, the first title in 30 years. It was, it was, um, you know, it made it, it made it hard to process in some ways. It's just like mm. it's something that a whole generation of fans have been waiting for their whole lives. And then it happens and it, it was good. It was exciting, but you know, there was no real outlet. Um, and Klopp will have felt that just as much as all of us. So I, I do think he'll want to have a proper Premier League celebration under his belt at Liverpool. If we win it before 2024, I think he'll probably just stick to that day. But if we don't, then maybe maybe there'll be the silver lining that he might be tempted to stay a bit longer. Well, yeah, I think most Liverpool fans were looking forward to the idea of singing We Are The Champions, Champions of England at every ground, and we didn't get to do that. So I do think that that is something that's really alive in not only our minds, but the players' minds. Of course, if he was to extend it that one year, that would take him to 10 years at the club, which... Again, he's not one for these kind of big kind of celebrations, but I'm sure there'll be people within the club who quite like to have the nice round number of being able to say that we were here for a decade of Klopp and it was glorious. Now, another thing we talk about in terms of when he moves on is, you already mentioned it, Matt, it's a very difficult job to go in directly after him. Klopp has spoken, again, about wanting to leave the club in as best place as possible. So when you think about the rebuild that's potentially going to be going on over the next two years in terms of some of the personnel within the squad, maybe even thinking about potential future candidates and their potential schedules, can you see something where an idea or agreement is cooked up between Klopp and Billy Hogan, Tom Werner and John Henry to kind of say that it's not so much at the end of this contract, but at the right time, whatever the, those other factors dictate? Yeah, it's it's a hard one, isn't it? I don't know whether there will ever be a right time for for him not to be at Liverpool. I think whenever it is, it's going to be it's going to be difficult. But I think there are things that you can do in order to make that process, uh, you know, as smooth as possible. Obviously, the fact that Michael Edwards is moving on will give two years at least for Julian Ward to come in and, and settle into that structure. Obviously, he's been doing it now for a few months. 
um, in sort of uh, a less um, well-known capacity as, as kind of a, a backup to Michael Edwards. Obviously, if he can settle into that over the next couple of years, I think that makes it a lot easier. I think that there's other things as well that, that you can sort of, you can make the wholesale changes to the midfield, for example, next summer. So by the time whoever comes in after Klopp, they're not having to do that in the same summer as, as replacing Klopp. It's it's already kind of been done. You can kind of make one or two little changes, but it's not going to be wholesale in the transfer window. Other things as well, like, you know, keeping hold of, of Pep Linders. I don't nef- necessarily think he's going to be the, the successor or the one that, that takes the number one job, but I think there's not many, if if any, number twos out there that are better than him. So mm-hmm. retaining him and, and as much of the, the backroom team as you can, even, you know, people like Vito Matos haven't been here as long as, as what some of the others have, but they've been, you know, hugely influential in terms of bringing through academy players, making sure that that kind of process um, and the structure within Liverpool is is really set in stone and, and is really obvious of, of how you sort of plug yourself into that. So I think for, for me, it's it's a case of, almost assuming that it will be 2024 and making sure the rest of the puzzle is is all in place. And if you then lose Jurgen Klopp, it's it's kind of like you're not going to get another Klopp. But what Klopp's big strength is, is that he's been able to sort of give the, the jobs to, to various people. Vito Matos, for example, is the one who helps the, the young players come from the academy in Kirby, obviously now to the first team in Kirby as well. So it's not as far to go, but it's still you know a, a difficult pathway to, to tread someone like that, for example, whether Jurgen Klopp is there or not, he can still do that mm. job just as well. So, yeah, I think it's it's about getting the rest of it sorted out well in advance. And then, you know, I think we'll we'll come on to, to speak about who it might be in terms of, of who succeeds Klopp in, in the future. But not that it doesn't matter, but to a certain extent, at least, it shouldn't matter hugely if it's one world-class manager or another because you're plugging them into a system that we know is is proven to work. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. That's hopefully what's going to be in our benefit in comparison to some of the other legacies that we've seen try to uh, continue on after. I'm thinking a lot of Arsene Wenger, Sir Alex Ferguson, but even in Liverpool's history, the likes of um, Kenny Dalglish, obviously with the Sooners era and said wilderness. It's the idea that as much as we all adore this manager, James, he is still very much part of a winning system. And he, one of his big qualities is the ability to buy into that system and to defer to that system. So as Matt mentions, we've got Julian Ward as this new part of the succession. And continuity has really always been a part of Liverpool's success. So you do think that if they can achieve it in those areas, then it allows them to look at the manager's position a little bit differently. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Sir Alex Ferguson there. He was really just holding things together by thread in his last few years at Manchester United. There was there was no system, really, that he was a part of. He was the system, and he was just getting a very mediocre squad to punch above their weight. And at the moment, at least, you couldn't level that accusation at Liverpool. Klopp is obviously still very much a world-class part of what goes on. But, yeah, there's he's part of an elite team, both on the field and off the field. So... Mm. Yeah, as Matt says, that does somewhat alleviate the worries of replacing him. But I mean, it's it's Klopp, so there's still going to be worries. Uh, whoever whoever comes in, uh, but yeah, like you say, um, sorry, um, yeah, with the with that kind of history of Liverpool and replacing from within, sort of you know the boot room days, things like that. Definitely, it's it's a part of the legacy, and I think it's 
possibly a point in favour of Pep Linders. I know Matt was saying he's so good at what he does, so maybe don't risk it, don't make him make the step up as such. But yeah, he certainly knows the club inside out and no one has had a better Klopp apprenticeship than he has. Mm. So I think that does bring him into the frame. And you, you, you know, you look at the sort of Paisley coming in after Shankly sort of thing, it's it's obviously going way back and it's not to say, look, it's going to work now because football has changed almost beyond recognition. But um, there is that kind of precedent for that Liverpool. And yeah, it's, it's an interesting one to keep an eye on for sure. It is. And I think if we, just through having this conversation, those Pep Linder's name and Steven Gerrard, those are the two that seem to come up the most often and they have the most already uh, idea about how they would go about the job or why they would be considered. But let's, let's not forget, Liverpool are one of the biggest teams in the world. Jurgen Klopp has done a fantastic job of building a wonderful squad full of great players. What manager doesn't want to manage Liverpool? So while we may have our own ideas, there's probably quite a few other people out there with their own ideas. And Matt, let's talk about that because... Again, we've seen some other clubs suffer because they want to go for the big name. And obviously there are some reasons behind that. When you have a club you, that size, you need a big name in certain structures to be able to deal with the egos and all of the things that go with being a club of that stature. But that doesn't necessarily mean to say that the biggest is going to be the most suited. And because we've got so long to think about this, also FSG, you've got so long to think about this, they have got to get right exactly what they're looking for in their manager, haven't they? Yeah, I think it's it's a really interesting situation in terms of, of kind of how it's fallen, because I think obviously Gerard is is an obvious name, Pep Liners is an obvious name, like you say, but lots of the other names that I suspect will be on that shortlist have actually all moved this summer. So you think of someone like Nagelsmann went to, to Bayern, obviously uh, Marco Rosa at Dortmund, um, Jesse Marsh has obviously moved into to Leipzig. So it's kind of, I always said and I always thought that it would be a lot to do with the timing of, of when Klopp left, who was available at that time. Mm. But obviously three years after all of those names have moved to the clubs that they're at now, that, that might be the right time for, for all of them. So it does kind of keep that option open in terms of, of going for those sort of names. I mean, you don't really, obviously we know Klopp is, is kind of the exception. Guardiola has been at City for a fair while now, but you don't tend to, to have managers there for that long anymore. I think, you know, three years, for example, at Bayern would, probably be you know something that Nagelsmann would would accept and then maybe look to to do something else if you know he's maybe won three titles maybe won the Champions League in that time it might just be you know the the right time for for him to move on so I think that there are there are plenty of options obviously that the standout names will will always be you know Gerard and and Linders for for the obvious links but I think there's probably more options than than what people realize and I think we also forget sometimes how attractive this job is. I think if if you asked pretty much anyone in the world, would you want to come into Liverpool? They'd probably say yes. I think obviously someone like Maurizio Pochettino, for example, hasn't been at PSG for that long. But if the Liverpool job came up now, it, it would surprise me if he didn't think about it at the very least. Yeah. I think you know Liverpool can can get basically whoever they want. It's it's just a case of determining what that person is, who what what sort of qualities do they have, where are they at now, is it the right time? Mm-hmm. But I think that there will be there will be a good few options. It, it still will come down to, to timing a little bit, but I think certainly at this point, obviously it's hard to, to work out 
you know, two and a half, three years down the line. But it does kind of feel like the timing is right for Liverpool almost to to have a pick of maybe four, five, six different options. And then the onus is, is just on them to pick the right one. Yes. And we'd like to think that the processes that we mentioned before is going to allow us to make that choice easier or more successfully. But before we move on to those specifics of what they're looking for, let's tackle the Gerard question properly, uh, two-footedly almost as he would, if you imagine. Um, Obviously, we can't can't see exactly how long he's going to be at Aston Villa. We mentioned his contract may well be till 2025, so he might have two to three years. He might have 18 months. He might have even less than that. We have to wait and see. What In the ideal world, though, James, what could he possibly do at Aston Villa in those three years that would make you say he's ready to do that at Liverpool? Because with all the will in the world, Aston Villa aren't going to win the Premier League or the Champions League in the next three years. And those are the things that are going to be in his to-do list as Liverpool manager. So are we thinking about style of play? Are we thinking about developing kids? Or are we thinking about battling against the odds and winning a trophy for Aston Villa. Or maybe you're thinking about European football. So there are parameters by which he can kind of tick off indicators. But even if you add all of those up, it's still a big jump to then go to Liverpool, isn't it? Right. Yeah, there's a lot to get into there. Uh, so the way I do it. I just let them like, <laughs> let you flow. Yeah. OK, so one thing I would say is that the Rangers' experience will stand him in really good stead further down the line when we're looking at Liverpool. And I think Villa will complement the experience he's already had because what you have at Rangers is managing one of two teams who are very dominant in the league, which is a you know a similar situation to what Liverpool are in. It's slightly more than two teams. It's maybe four or five. But the expectation is still there that you go and play a dominant style that you know most weeks you're going to be trying to play your opponents off the park. And he's, he's almost passed that test. You know, I mean, you look at the the title-winning, invincible Centurion season. Like, he can't really have done much more to make the case that he knows how to coach a team that's expected to dominate. Um, So there's that element already ticked off. And like you say, now he goes to Villa, Premier League team. So he needs to be able to show that those talents translate to the league that Liverpool are in. But yeah, it's, it's less of an obvious parallel in other ways in the sense that he's going to be scrapping towards the bottom of that league. It's not really a translatable skill set. In many ways, Rangers was more of a showcase of that. So, yeah, in terms of what he needs to show at Villa, it's that he can, you know, he can handle the rigours of the league. It's There's debate as to what that would look like. You know, he does have quite a good squad. They've been backed fairly strongly financially. So, yeah, in an ideal world, to interest Liverpool, he should be kind of knocking on the door of Europe. That's not to say he's going to be challenging the top four. That's unrealistic for anyone coming in there. But, you know, if he can sneak into even the Conference League, that's that's not bad going for a team like Villa and it'll it'll keep him on the radar. It's, you know, if he wasn't Gerard, would it be enough to get him on the radar? Possibly not. But, you know, it, it's tricky because FSG aren't going to be sentimental about it. But they're only going to hire him if he's proven that, you know, he's worth it based on based on his achievements as a manager. I mean, these are the, the people who binned off Kenny after he won the he won the Carlin Cup. So it's it's not like they're gonna be going, oh it's a club legend, let's give him a go. He needs to have proved it. But um but yeah, people write off the Scottish League too quickly. Obviously there are there are dominant teams in it, but Gerard has made it so there's two dominant teams again. It it's you know, it was Celtic. They won it nine years in a row. Um and he ended it pretty emphatically. So People say, oh, he wouldn't be at all considered by FSG if he wasn't Gerard. Well, 
possibly, you know, he'd be lower down the list, but already as a manager, he's done some pretty eye-catching stuff. So in terms of what he needs to do at Villa, I think it's just sort of maintain that momentum, show he can handle the, the step up in the level his, his team is playing at. And, you know, if he's still at Villa in three years, then that's an achievement in itself and one that will, you know, make Liverpool interested, I think. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I mean, that might be the biggest achievement of all, to be honest, Matt, the way that that football's going at the moment. But one thing, James makes the point about Scottish football, and I was a bit surprised to see him leave mid-season because I feel like the ability to be able to say you retained a title is a really important thing. And again, the kind of thing that elite clubs look at. Do you think that maybe there was a situation where he felt he might not get this job if he waited to the end of the season? Or... Is there maybe something else to it? No, I think it, it probably has to be that. I think it's it's a really tricky decision for him. I, I think it's a big risk actually going to Villa. I'm not quite as convinced as as what a lot of people are in terms of it, it being the right move. I think the the reason I think that is is partly because, like James said, it's it, he's in a team where he's expected to win the league, which I think is is important. And like you say, to to sort of retain that is a big achievement. But I think also that the big thing for me is is European football. I think you know Rangers should have probably got through into the Champions League this season, but didn't probably would do next season. And I think that is almost more useful than maybe a lot of people realise. I think, you know, for, for Liverpool in terms of looking for a manager, all the names I mentioned before in terms of being possibilities for the shortlist, they will all have that over him. And I think at Aston Villa, it's it's not just a difficult job because Dean Smith has done fantastically well and then got sacked. It's also a difficult job in the fact that there's probably Everton, Wolves, Leeds, there's sort of four or five different clubs there who could make that next step and, and get into Europe, but they can't all do it. And, and, you know, they could all play really well all season and not do it. And and that's kind of, that, that's got to be okay. It, it might not be okay in terms of keeping your job and, and that sort of thing. And maybe the, the expectation there, obviously, having spent a fair bit of money, mm-hmm. countered, of course, by the fact that they lost their best player and got £100 million back for him in Jack Greenish. I think, I don't know, that the expectation at Villa is that he will improve Aston Villa, and he, he may well improve them in terms of, of style and sort of working within that system. But I don't know. I, I just, I wonder if there's a ceiling to, to the ambition at, at Villa. It, it doesn't really matter how much they spend, for example. They're not going to come in the top four. Are they going to come in the top six? Well, I think there's, there's certainly three or four teams that you'd fancy to do that in front of them. So it, it's a bit of a risk in that regard, I think. But yeah, I don't know. There, there, there had to be a step away from Rangers before Liverpool, probably. Yeah. Um, but it's just a case of, of working out what that is. The only thing I can think of is that that Gerard has looked at it and thought, well, Newcastle is too big a risk at this moment in time. He's not going to go to Everton. Wolves have only just got a new manager. Maybe Aston Villa was the only one that he thought, mm-hmm. I either go there and, and take that, that jump between the two or I'm banking on doing Rangers for the next two and a half years winning a couple more titles and, and hoping that that's enough to, to get the Liverpool job. So I don't know, maybe, maybe there were conversations between you know him and, and people at Liverpool. Maybe you know, there's kind of been conversations in the background to say, well, what is the next step? I think Villa is, is a risk, but I can kind of see why he's done it at the same time. Yes, there are a lot of hypotheticals in this scenario. So we have to kind of go on the only information we have got. And you're right, it is... You can see it from both sides. I, My gut feeling is still, I wonder whether or not 
Stephen is really believing that it's going to be one more step between Aston Villa and Liverpool. I feel like he's spoken about him wanting to earn this job because he knows as much as everybody else that whatever point in his career that he gets the job, people are going to feel like he has only got it because of his career as a footballer rather than his career as a manager. He's smart enough to know that. He's also smart enough to know that following a popular and successful manager like Jurgen Klopp may not be the best thing for his career. So I'm not convinced that he's going to be jumping into those shoes just yet, but we'll see. So let's concentrate on maybe who will be jumping into those shoes and exactly what their own shoes should look like. Because we've spoken a little bit about the framework the Liverpool set up. And if you think about the way that FSG work from a financial standpoint and even the way that Klopp and his coaches work from a tactical standpoint, they do have very strong guiding philosophies, which allows them to be able to ride over the loss of individual pieces within that philosophy. So when it comes to looking for their new manager, do we think that they're going to be someone, James, who has their own philosophy in a similar way and from the strength? Or are they going to be looking for someone who can translate what they do to the players already in, someone who's more like Klopp in terms of style? Or are those things not really going to be their guiding principle? Well, I'm not sure what their shoes are going to look like for starters. Mate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, in terms of the, the style of manager, I think probably continuity is the name of the game. Um, I think that the style on the pitch is going to be the most important thing. You have to wear, bear in mind that everything has worked so sort of in sync over the last few years. So the recruitment has been done with Klopp in mind. Of course, FFG would have been looking to the future as well and just, you know, signing just inherently good players. I'm sure they're back to adapt to a slightly different style. It's not like they're all rubbish without Klopp. It would be ridiculous to suggest that, but they all have strengths which work well in the Klopp system. Um, So, yeah, I think in terms of minimising disruption and maximising what the players currently in the squad can continue to give in terms of output, I think the focus will be on trying to find someone who plays in a similar kind of style to Klopp. Uh, you know, there's, it shouldn't be the hardest part of the search in the sense that, you know, Klopp has, has changed the game. He's, you know, he's bred some disciples. There's lots of lots of managers out there who are trying to play as much like Klopp as they possibly can. So I don't think that's going to be a hugely limiting factor. It's just the case of, as, as Matt touched on earlier, finding the right one, which is easier said than done. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. It really is easier said than done. But you make an interesting point because the evolution of football often comes from copycats. So whatever is the most dominant style becomes the the next one for a few years. But there is always people looking to put their own spins on those things. So maybe that's where we need to be looking at um, at young coaches with a little bit of uh, ingenuity about them. But then that kind of brings us back to our current number two, doesn't it? Well, not not for me. I think for me, kind of Klopp Klopp but evolved is is basically Nagelsmann. I think that's where that's where I end up with it. In that he does a lot of of things that that Jurgen Klopp does, but it, it's got to be evolved. I think 
as, as much as I think that the structure of it is is hugely important, and I think actually a big plus of what Steven Gerrard has, has done at Rangers actually is the fact that he's done it in a very similar way to Liverpool, not just in terms of sort of off the pitch working with a sporting director and that kind of thing, but also in terms of the four three three, the importance of the fullbacks, all the rest of the kind of Jurgen Klopp traits. I think have have sort of been perfectly matched up in Scotland. But I think you know in terms of what Liverpool do next, I think. There's got to be continuity to an extent, but it also can't just be someone trying to be Jurgen Klopp because that that won't work either. No one is going to be able to do Jurgen Klopp 100% to the same level that Klopp can. And you kind of might fall into a bit of a trap of being just a a less good version of of what Liverpool had before. So I think there's got to be a, a bit of an evolution I mean, there's, there's been a fair bit of evolution, hasn't it, between you know Klopp when he first came in and, and Klopp now. So it's not exactly a new thing or a new idea to to get your head around. But I think whoever does come in, they've got to put their own stamp on it. They've got to be able to maybe use a slightly different formation at times, or maybe you know have a slightly different idea of, of how they do certain things. And for me, it leads back to, to Nagelsmann. I think we've seen that with him in terms of, of the formations and the different tactical tweaks that he does. He's, you know, almost a little bit Guardiola-esque in that he might do something a little bit mad every now and again. And I think that that's not necessarily a, a bad thing. I think, you know, sometimes these kind of managers can overthink things and, and maybe just, you know, stress themselves so much if they have a week to think about it. It can sometimes go a little bit wrong. But I think he's kind of a, a hybrid between a bit of a change, but also a bit of continuity. And for me, that makes that makes the most sense at this point. And I've written about it a couple of times as well, but I do think the way in which Klopp himself sort of got his break in management is quite informative in that respect, in the sense that essentially it was kind of a, a last roll of the dice for minds who were trying to just kind of get back to what was working under Wolfgang Frank, who Klopp cited many times as like his, his big inspiration. Um, and yeah, ultimately what worked the best there was someone who, played under him a lot so maybe that's something Liverpool could look to in terms of again a, a younger coach who maybe might not even be a coach yet but someone who's who's really learned his methods it might be one where FSG tries someone else first but if it if it doesn't work there's always that option of thinking okay well look here's what worked under Klopp here's someone who knows Klopp really well let's give them a go of course this is another point in in Pep Linder's favour um, but yeah it's just that that again there's there has to be that evolution because I mean, Wolfgang Frank is not a household name. Um, I was going to say, to be frank, but, you know, to be, to be <laughs> frank. Um, um, <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, obviously Klopp has become one of the best coaches in the world. So the fact that they, you know, they draw inspiration from, from Klopp doesn't mean the next manager will have to be just, as, as Matt said, a pure copycat. There's, there's definitely mm. a next step that has to be taken. I mean, speaking of Franks, I think we might be able to throw a certain Thomas into the frame as well, considering the early impact that he's made with Brentford. And again, if you think about things off the pitch, and we've already spoken and some of us have written about the similarities between the way Brentford operate and the way Liverpool operate, but that's for another day. Um, I genuinely didn't think you were going to get a hotter take on these shows than Leeds for the top six, James. But James Milner for the next Liverpool manager, that's up there. That's up there. Um, I think this, it, the fun thing, though, is that we're in a place where, as you've mentioned, there are lots of good people in good positions in place. And we have a confidence, or I have a confidence at least, that the people making this decision will be better equipped to make the right one than anyone can be. Then you have to rely on a little bit of luck and crossing our fingers. Matt, James, this has been a fun chat. 
even though we're going to have absolutely no influence on it, I'm sure in two, three years' time we can look back on this and decide who was right and who was wrong. Thank you all for listening. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.